cage around my team. Yeah, we off the leash. You can look us in the eyes and see we have peace. Black and gold, that's the colors when we go to war. When we step up on that field, you go hear my roar. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. Yeah, nobody hitting harder. Better keep your guard up. Welcome to Pod Scooby. I'm Josh Smith. And I'm Mike Graham. This is a bit of a surprise episode, right? Like, we weren't really planning to record this week, but it's been kind of a busy week in Ticat land. We've seen another stud offensive lineman signed. We have to talk about losing a dynamic playmaker to the NFL, maybe losing a coach to the college ranks. But I think before we touch on all that, Mike, we got to start with kind of the topic. I'm sure you've seen it on social media. It's kind of taken the fandom by storm it's it's the thing that they want to talk about most and that's the future of simone lawrence with the hamilton tiger cats which seems a little bit more in doubt than maybe it ever has during his decade with the team we're talking about this because during the cfl winter meetings last week in tennessee new tie cats general manager ed hervey met with the media and during that meeting would not definitively commit to bringing lawrence back for an 11th season in black and gold the direct quote was, that's not something I can say yes or no to, which is what Hervey said directly. Sparked a lot of fan ire, some anger, as it seems almost universally that the fans want Simone back in 2024. Even sparked a couple hashtags. I saw signed Simone out there, signed 21. Lawrence had a bounce back season last year in 2023 after he missed nine games in 2022. He finished with 84 tackles, the most he had had since 2019. Five sacks, his most since 2017, one interception, three forced fumbles, and he was named the Ticats' most outstanding defensive player for the fifth time in his career. It's not entirely unfair, in my opinion, to say that a guy who will turn 35 in two weeks has lost a step, but I think he still proved last year that he's very capable of playing, and he especially showed that kind of during the second half of the season where I think he really sort of ratcheted up his level of play. But despite all that, it seems like there is a chance that number 21 could be wearing a different jersey next season. So, Mike, if you were to guess right now, do you think Simone Lawrence will be in a Ticats uniform in 2024? That's a tough one because we can evaluate it all we want, right? Like like you said, he was much better in the second half of the season, and that's absolutely true. But, you know, Ed Hervey's, I, I think he's a kind of a guy that's, you know, not a BSer. And if he thinks that Simone has you know, uh, falling off a little bit. If he thinks he can get younger and get more production at that position, I think he will do that. Now it all depends on how he feels at what he feels when he watches the film of Simone Lawrence. Right. So I have a, like a non-answer for you. I'm not sure about that, but I know that there's guys like Kyle Wilson that are, you know, kind of waiting in the wings on this tiger cat team. And he, you know, he's, he wants to be a starter. He, he put that out there last year on Twitter that he thinks that, you know, he's better than anyone else at his position. So um, forget my non-answer, but I just, I have no clue. I think that 
if I were to choose, I'd love for him to come back because I'm just a stupid fan. But, you know, it's different with uh, when you're the GM running the club, right? So do you think this is a true 50-50? Like, do you think this is legitimately it could go either way? Is that what you're kind of saying here? I do believe so because I think that, you know, we saw it with Duke Williams and uh, Chris Edwards. He said straight up they won't be back. So I think if that was the case, I don't think he would bullshit us. I think he would tell us that, you know, Simone's not going to be back next year. I, like, I think he should be back. Um, mm-hmm. That kind of dovetails into the next question I'm going to ask you. Like, I think he should be back. I wasn't necessarily on that train last summer. Like, I came on here and said, like, maybe he needs to be the role player, special teams guy, the guy that comes in on, in certain situations. And maybe you give someone like a Kyle Wilson more of an opportunity to play on defense. But then Kyle Wilson tore his Achilles. So mm-hmm. how ready will he be for the start of the season? Now, finding linebackers isn't entirely difficult. The Ticats have had some pretty good, although I guess that position has really been manned by Lawrence. And before him, it was Jamal Johnson, who was a guy that they got in free agency from the BC Lions. And before that, I can't even remember who, like now we're going back 15 years. Like, I don't remember who the, the starting linebacker in that spot would have been prior to Jamal Johnson. That would have been like what, 2007, maybe. I think, I think Johnson came here in, in 08. He was definitely here in 09, but I think he got here in 08. So now we're, I, 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 I'm sure there's some enterprising fan out there who remembers, but for the life of me, I cannot think of, and you know, that 2003 to 2007 era, I kind of <laughs> like to forget it ever happened. Mm-hmm. So it's been a while since this team's really had to go look for a guy at that position. Now they've cycled through some pretty good, like they found Larry Dean, they found Taylor Reed. Yeah. They brought in guys like Ray Williams. They brought in guys like Otis Floyd right now. They have Jameer Thurman before that Joe Von Santos Knox. So they, they've, they've dipped their toes in the free agency water when it comes to signing linebackers, but they've also had some, some success in bringing guys in. But at that spot, I'm just not sure. I like, I want to think that his play warranted him returning for this upcoming season. But I also understand that if the team decides they want to get younger in some areas, like it can't be a money thing because I know Simone has taken less money Essentially, ever since he was at his peak and he made like his his big money there, every time he's kind of re-signed a contract, he's taken less. So it's not a money thing for him to come back. I, I know that he's even said, he's told his agent, like, this is where I want to be, whatever they offer. If it's fair enough, I will sign it. And that's kind of, probably kind of hurt him in contract negotiations, but he wants to play in Hamilton. He wants to be... And I've said this before. I think he's this generation's Angela Mosca, and I think he takes that role very seriously. I think he wants to be that guy who is synonymous with this team for this next generation. Like, in, you know, in 35 years when there's a, an American player who, like, he lives in the area. I believe he still lives in Grimsby. He does all the off-field stuff. And that's that to me, that's not a reason to keep someone. It's important. The off-field stuff's important in, in, a, in the small community like the CFL, but that's not a reason to keep a guy if you, if you don't think he can play any longer. But I think that his legacy with this franchise is important to him. And I think that's why he keeps staying, even though the team not necessarily paying him big, big bucks. So it's, it's not a money thing. The the plays there. I don't think this team is, is going into like a rebuild mode this season. You know what I mean? Like there was, no. there was talk after the season, like, okay, if Bo goes, maybe they hand the reins to a Matthew Schiltz or 
even a Taylor Powell, like maybe this team takes a step back in 2024 with the hopes of then taking steps forward in 25, 26 and beyond. They bring Bo back even at a discounted rate. We've seen what they've done and we'll get into it. We talked a little bit about it last week, but we're going to talk a little bit more what they've done on the offensive line. Like it definitely seems that this team still believes it's in a championship window. Now, whether you agree with that, disagree with that, that's up to you. But I would think that it's with Kyle Wilson, the the unknown of Kyle. Well, you look at the linebacking group that they have on, like if you go to their roster on their website, it's, it's pretty barren, quite frankly. And with Kyle Wilson's injury, you don't have that ready-made guy in-house to step in. So if you're going to go and get someone in free agency, I, I, I actually, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. I don't want to, I don't, we'll talk about that in a second, but I just don't know if there's, like, it, it doesn't feel like right now is the right time to, if they would have moved on from last off season, the outrage would have still been there. And I think it would have been more so because Hamilton was hosting the gray cup and the, the idea was you load up to, to win the championship. But I think because of the injury and the downtick in play, I think you could have justified it then. I'm not entirely sure the the on-field production aspect of it, even if he has lost a step, which I think he has, and I don't think that that's a knock on him. He's going to be 35 years old in like less than a month. I just don't know if the that's the if you're going to move on from him now, I just don't know what the reasoning is. You know what I mean? Like it's not his play hasn't diminished to the point where he's unplayable. His contract's not going to be where it hinders the the, the squad and signing other players. I, I'm just not sure what the holdup would be from a from a team reasoning as to why you wouldn't bring him back now. Yeah, and guys like <clears throat> Flowers Lloyd, he signed. Are he, did he sign a contract down south? He hasn't I signed a contract, started. but he's also if you look at him from a from a side, I think he's more of a Sam line. Like I think mm-hmm. that if he stays, and the team doesn't go and get like an Adarius Pickett. I think Flowers Lloyd pops right into that Sam linebacker. He's a, he's yeah. he played DB in the in the states. He's that like hybrid size. He's I think he's like six two, like two oh five. Like I think he's perfectly suited to play Sam linebacker. So I think that would be more of a. I think you got to be like I think Simone is probably six one two twenty ish, two twenty five ish. So I think he'd need to bulk up to play if he came back. And and we don't know if he will. There's still the opportunity for him to sign an NFL contract, of course. I just don't know if he'd be if that would be the spot that I would put him at, you know. Yeah, and then there's guys like the Canadian uh, Sopic. I don't know how you know high the team is on him, or yeah, if he'd be the, able to, you know, be a he starter. Seems like a special league. teams guy to me. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not, and again, I'm not trying to poo-poo it, but I'm just like, I don't mm-hmm. know if that's a guy that you want to have out there as your starting will linebacker. Yeah. You know what I mean? I agree with that for sure. So. You don't know if he'll be back. Do you think he should be back though? Like if it was up to you, like you said, you'd bring him back, but mm-hmm. you, but there's, you said you're a stupid fan. And so yeah. there is some, <laughs> some of that emotional aspects to it, right? Like he's a guy that's been so rooted in this community. So rooted with this team, like he's not Tim, Hort- he's not Ivor Wynn, but he is, he does predate Tim Horton's field. Like his first season in Hamilton was when they were in Guelph. And actually he was in the CFL in 2012 with the Edmonton Elks. So I think he would have played a game. So he has played at Iverwood. So he still has that, there's that little tether to to the pre Tim Hortons field era, but you take that away. You take kind of the emotions out of it. Do you think he should be back? Do you think his play from last season warrants him coming back? Or is this simply just us being, as you called us stupid fans, who just want to see our favorite players stay here? No, I think that uh, in the second half of the season, he was tremendous. 
I think that it was the old, you know, the old Simone out there. In the first half of the season, maybe he was dinged up a bit. Uh, I don't know what's going on there. It wasn't his best performance um, of his career, but you're absolutely right. After Labor Day, he he turned it up. And uh, because of that, I think that they should seriously consider bringing him back. And, and like I said before, if I was the GM, not just because, you know, I'm a fan and, and Simone Lawrence has been an absolute tremendous tiger cat i just think that he deserves another year and he can perform still in the field i hate to even ask this question but we have to get into this is this is i hate this but it's also fun because it gets us it allows us to play gm if the tie cats decide to move on is there anyone out there that you would like to see slide into that role you mentioned kyle wilson i i agree i think he's an obvious candidate but because of that torn achilles no idea if he'll be ready to start the year. Is there anyone out there that you can think of that you would like to see that maybe a pending free agent or even a trade type of scenario? If this team is not going to have Simone Lawrence at Will Linebacker, is there someone out there that they could fill that void with that you would then go, okay, this is probably an upgrade, so you're not as angry about it as maybe you would normally be? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned early, uh, you mentioned him earlier, uh, Adarius Pickett. I mean, the guy's an absolute stud, and I think it would be an upgrade um, at this point in Simone's career. So if you could get a guy like him, I'd be all for it. But otherwise, I'd just stick with Simone. Yeah, see, mine would be Winton McManus. If they if they go out and steal Winton McManus from the Argos, and that it's would like, be huge. here's your – it's like, okay, this is Simone but younger. Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah, the – the emotional part of me would be like, I absolutely hate this, but the rational side of me would be like, this is arguably the best linebacker in the CFL right now. Like that he, he could easily be a two time most outstanding defensive player award winner. If he doesn't get hurt in 2022, I think he wins the award. And last year he was neck and neck with Pickett, who was his teammate. And Pickett just got the, he, I mean, Pickett had a phenomenal season last year too. I did see someone mention Larry Dean, and mm, I mean, sure, but you're just kind of trading old for yeah. old at that point. Like Larry, yeah, Dean if we're, if we're his, going for Dean, then might might as well stick with Lawrence if we're going to get Dean, right? Yeah, and like Dean is like he was uh, the Mike when he was here, and he played that a little bit in Saskatchewan, but he has kind of moved into more of a Will role as he's gotten older. And then the one that I'm absolutely against is someone said Micah Awe. I saw someone say Micah Awe, and it's like, no. Micah Awe is a good player, but I'm people talk about Simone Lawrence taking too many dumb penalties or, or headhunting. Micah Awe is the king of headhunters. And it's just like, I don't really think, again, if you're going to, and I don't think Micah Awe is, you know, he's he's not long in the tooth, but he's cer- certainly not short in it either. Again, you're going to go after guys like, like to me, Whit McManus is the upgrade. But that's also going to cost you a lot of money. Like you're probably spending a good portion of that money you saved on Bo's contract on the difference. But like I'm thinking Whit McManus, if he hits free agency, is going to garner somewhere in the $200,000 range. And Simone right now makes, from what I understand, less than a hundred. So you're talking about doubling your salary at that position. It would be an upgrade, probably a significant one, but is it worth that? extra hundred and something thousand dollars. You know what I mean? Like mm. that, that's, that's the math you got to take into account as well. From a, from on field perspective, I don't think anyone out there, even the most ardent and supportive Simone Lawrence fans would say 
when McManus the last couple of years has absolutely been better and would be a, a, an on-field upgrade. I just don't know. But that that's really the only one because if it's like they let him go and they just kind of bring in a bunch of unknowns to fill that role, maybe one of them turns into something, maybe one of them doesn't. I think you're going to see a lot of fan angst if 21's not in black and gold and they don't do something to appreciably get better at that spot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, if they if they let Simone go and then they don't bring in a guy that's recognizable to the fan base or like an, an a for sure upgrade, yeah, the fan base is gonna freak out. All right, so the Thai Cats continued to add reinforcements up front as they reached a two-year extension with American offensive lineman Jordan Murray on Sunday. Murray returned to the Ticats last September and started seven games last season after returning from the NFL, where he spent the 2022 season with the Indianapolis Colts. Mike, as our resident offensive line guru, this has got to make you even more excited than you were last week when we talked about all those O-line signings, does it not? It absolutely does. I mean, this offensive line is very formidable on paper. I mean, Figaro is going to be back if if they choose to bring him back at left tackle. And if he's healthy, he's a, he's a great tackle. Um, Revenberg at left guard, obviously, Beard, uh, Woodmansey. And then if you put Murray at right tackle, I mean, that's a hell of an O-line. So, yep. And then we have the depth behind it as well. So if people go down, you know, we can slide in guys and, and uh, not miss a beat. So I'm over the moon happy about how this offensive line is shaping up. And I think it's going to get do wonders for the offense. So um, I couldn't be happier. Yeah, I knew, I'm, I know we got really excited about the O-line last year. But yeah. I look at this, that starting group that you just laid out, and then I think of Brandon Kemp as your developmental American to take over for likely Joel Figueroa after this season. And then you have your first-round pick, Dayton Black, who is your developmental Canadian. And then, of course, they signed Jakob Zott, who can I, – I, I'm not as high on him as, as maybe some others are, but another developmental Canadian that might, might be able to fill a role. But you have your Canadian interior signed for the next couple of years. You have your bookend signed for at least this season. And then perhaps Figueroa, who I think will be 36 after this year, you you maybe let him go. You throw Murray in on the left side there, and then you develop one of those Americans take over at right tackle. Uh, yeah, I, you again, we were super excited about the offensive line going into last year, and they kind of injuries had played a role in it, but they kind of didn't live up to expectations. But on paper, this unit looks looks really good right now. I do want to talk about Joel Figueroa for a second. Do you think that this signing has any impact on his future with the club? We know Murray can play left tackle, started, I think, five games there last year after Figueroa got hurt. Uh, he started three in 2021. And with Figueroa being injured for most of last season, you do have to wonder if maybe the team would look at that and go, oh, maybe we move on from him now. Now, it hasn't happened yet. We're getting a little close to the start of free agency, and I would think that the team would – be more inclined to let him go or trade him before free agency opens versus after. Do you think that it's possible that Murray, this signing indicates that Murray might go to the left side and Figueroa could be out? Or do you think this is going to be what the plan was last year when they brought him back? Figueroa at left tackle, Murray goes to right tackle. I think there's a definite possibility that Figueroa might be let go. Uh, what's the status of Riley? Is he back? next year or he's, he, you know he's still unsigned i still don't unsigned. i i think with sartour being signed and with brandon kemp being signed and now yeah jordan murray i would 
I think it's highly unlikely that they would then re-sign another American. Like Kemp and Sartor probably aren't making a lot. Murray's probably making a decent amount because he's very good. Like I'm not saying he's making like Figueroa or like Chris Van Zyl money or anything like that, but Chris Van Zyl's contract comes off the books this year as well. There's I would be flabbergasted if he's in any uniform next year, especially a Tiger Cat one. But I just I don't think. I don't think unless the plan is you bring all these guys in and have them compete, mm-hmm. but I just don't, I don't see them doing that to a guy like Figueroa, like bringing him in for camp and then making him compete for the job and then letting him go. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. we're talking about, are we going to have, are you going to have Jordan Murray compete with Brandon Kemp, Kendrick Sartour and Tyron Riley for the right tackle spot? Like Jordan Murray, that's his job. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't see any reason I like Tyrone Riley, but I just don't think there's any reason to, I, I would guess, and this is strictly speculation on my part, that the team went to these guys and Riley wanted more money than the team was willing to pay him. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. Kemp took probably, you know, again, Kemp's not going to make a lot. Sartre's not going to make a lot. Murray probably makes a decent amount, but they probably went to those guys said, this is what we can offer. The guys that said yes. And then Riley's probably just the odd man out. Yeah. I, I'm thinking that they're going to bring back Figueroa for another year. And play him at left tackle. Go with Jordan Murray at right tackle. I'm just getting excited about the size of this offense. I want the offensive line to be nasty. I want it to be nasty. I want it to be mean. You know what I mean? Like David Beard, 6'5", 320. Jordan Murray, 6'9", 325. Revenberg, 6'4", 301. I mean, uh, Wood Manzi, 6'5", 310. Um, These guys are mammoths. And... uh, I think that's encouraging. You know, it's not all about size, obviously, but um, just looking at the the, the sheer stature. Uh, Joel Figueroa is six six three twenty. They're all over three hundred pounds, and uh, I'm liking it. I'm liking it a lot. Big dudes, big dudes. Okay, so we saw Stanley Bryant get re-signed by the Bombers, but are there any free agent linemen out there that you would like to see the Tie Cats go after, or are you happy with this group and they should just stay out of that market altogether? Focus on on fixing other parts of the team during free agency and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I'm happy with this group. I think we have depth. I think that it's it's pointless to go out and spend more money on the offensive line because I think we're we're fine as is. So you got I'll five guys pass. signed. You don't play six of them, right? Like exactly. And we got guys behind them that will do fine. So I, I'm satisfied. Do you think this in any way might hurt? Like, because a guy like Jamarcus Hardrick is still a free agent and he's a great right tackle. And I, if if the Ticats weren't able to, like, I, th- I didn't think Jordan Murray was coming back, quite frankly. And I thought they were going to have this opening here. And I was like, man, Jamarcus Hardrick would be a great replacement there. But now the Ticats have made this move. That take Now, there's obviously other teams out there that that need offensive line help. Do you think with the Ticats now kind of out of the market for these, it might suppress some of those guys? Like, maybe Hardrick now resigns in Winnipeg because mm-hmm. the— you look around the landscape, you don't really see any other, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm just kind of wondering at like from a, you know, 10,000 foot view, if this means the tie cats are out and that might have a domino effect on the rest of the alignment in the, in the league. Yeah, it could, because you know, the tie cats in the past have always been looking for guys along the offensive line. Now it's not, hasn't it felt like for the past decade, they're always in the old line market and free agency, especially tackles. Um, yeah, they've just been searching for tackles for a long time. Which is time, weird because so. they brought Joel Figueroa to the CFL, developed and then let him go. Yeah, I know. And it, I think part of that was the injury woes that he had yeah, early sure. on in his career. 
but yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, he, he, he went on to have a really good career, stayed healthy and then came back and immediately gets injured with the tie cats. Go figure. But, um, yeah, it might be, it might be a factor. I mean, uh, Saskatchewan's probably looking to upgrade. I'm not sure if they have to upgrade at right tackle, but you know that was a big thing for them last year and the year before the offensive line. So maybe they're looking for a guy, but yeah, he might just end up you know re-signing with the Bombers because there's not not many teams out there necessarily looking, which is very strange in the CFL not to be a ton of teams looking for offensive line help, but it just seems like a lot of teams are short up right now. Yeah, the Owls feel like they got a good good group. The Argos feel like theirs is good. I guess Ottawa could make some changes. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how the offensive line stuff shakes out in free agency. But the guy, I mean, yeah, I guess, I guess. Um, well, he's not from Hamilton, so Ottawa won't sign him, right? <laughs> there you go. Absolutely <laughs> not. Uh, okay, so while the Ticats might not be in the market for any offensive line help, they are now in the market for a new return man as last year's breakout sensation Tyreek McAllister has parlayed his productive first season in the CFL into a contract with the Las Vegas Raiders of the National Football League. As always, we are happy that a player gets his shot at playing at the highest level and American players. And we all know we, as much as we love the CFL, the dream for those guys is to play in the NFL. We don't hold that against them. And I think you're an idiot if you do. But he was this team's top special teams player last year, at least according to the voters for the awards. And now the team is in the market for a new returner. So first question is to you, Mike, how big of a loss do you think McAllister is? Because not only was he a great returner, he was a weapon on offense as well. So this is uh, this could ding this this Hamilton uh, attack a little bit mm -hmm. without him out there. What do you think? Do you think it's a big loss, little loss? Not really that big a deal. I think it is a loss because, like you said, Later on in the season, they were they were put, sliding him more into the offense, and maybe that could have got better and better as as he stayed with the team as the years go on. Maybe he could have been, uh, you know, Brandon Bakes type of player going from returner to receiver. Um, you know who I, I was also, thinking of? Not not to cut you off. You know who I was thinking of because of the Milanovic connection? Who he could have possibly been in this offense? Chad. Chad Owens. Yeah, yeah, could have been, could have been. Um, but but that being said, I think that you know the Tie Cats find returners. They just yes. that's they just do that. So I don't want to downplay the position or anything, but there's a lot of fast American players or Canadian players out there that can return the ball. And uh, I think they'll do a fine job of finding the next guy to step up. Yeah, like I think it's sig it's a significant loss. It's an impactful loss, but not a super significant loss. I think is the way I'd put it. Like like you said, they can find these guys. And he was great last year. But his numbers, it's not like he went out there and was a thousand yard receiver or like a thousand yard from scrimmage. Like, cause he played some running back. He played some receiver. He's, he's listed as a running back going down to the NFL. So I remember when they signed him, he was listed as a running back slash receiver. And I was like, well, that's just weird. Like, what's he going to play? And then he wears number 35 and I know numbers in the CFL don't matter, but I was still like, and then he's, when he was listed on the depth chart, he was listed as a receiver, but then sometimes he'd line up in the backfield. Like he was a great weapon to have. But he, he was a little bit positionless, but he was great in the return game. But like you said, this team has found returners like there's Brandon Banks and there's Terrell Sinkfield and there's Marcus Lawrence Thigpen, Woods, Chris Williams, and Marcus Thigpen, and like it's it hasn't been an area of struggle for this team to find and smaller, it while, fast guys, if I remember correctly, growing up like we I mean, I mean, we had Earl Winfield for a while and he was yeah. a a, a good returner, but he's more of a receiver. But I remember, like, through the 90s and then the early 2000s, it was a tough position to fill for the Ticats. But then 
you know, Chris Williams came and then it's just been a barrage of really good returners ever since. Yeah. And like a lot of that does have to do with like, they've had some good special teams coaches as well the last decade. So that helps too. But yeah, like this team hasn't been hurting for return guys in the last, probably since Marcus Thigpen arrived here and, and what, what, when did he come? I think he was 2009. So again, about 15 years, I don't really think, this team has had, even if the return game hasn't been spectacular, I don't think the return game was that spectacular. Last year. Like McAllister only had the one return touchdown. It came in the very last game of the year and it was on a missed field goal, but he was able to get some good field position. But this team has, has been able to, I mean, Lawrence Woods came out of nowhere two years ago. You know what I mean? And now he's obviously gone. It would be nice to have him around because he could have filled the role, but I don't necessarily think that there's anyone. I don't, as much as you liked him as a player and thought, oh man, what could he do in a second year in the Milanovic offense? Like I said, I, I viewed him as a potential Chad Owens type guy. And I'm not saying he was going to go out and get, you know, 3,500 yards of, of, of offense and special teams and win MOP, but you could see in this system, you've seen guys like him have an impact. And I mean, Chad Owens, one most outstanding player playing for Scott Milanovic. Now he played, he was with the Argos before Milanovic arrived, but, he really took off, especially as a receiver under Milanovic. So I did wonder if that could be happen here too. But I also think given that there's so, like you said, so many guys out there that this team can kind of, I mean, McAllister, we didn't know who he was. Like, do you remember when he came in and everyone was furious that they let, uh, what was his name? Gallimore go, yep. who had the punt return in, in the or kick return. I think it was a punt return in the preseason game. And then they let him go and everyone's like, Oh, he's going to come back and burn us. <laughs> Never played another game in the CFL. And they bring in McAllister and everyone forgets about him. So it's not as if this team has had a difficult time finding guys to fill this role. And all the guys that we have thought over the years, Oh, no one's going to be able to replace Marcus Thigpen. And then in comes Chris Williams. Oh, no one's going to be able to replace Chris Williams. And then in comes Brandon Banks. It's like this team has had some, Hall of Fame, like, again, maybe Marcus Thigpen and Chris Williams, they, they won't make the Hall of Fame, but they were some dynamic yeah. all-time greats at that spot. You know, like, Chris Williams has the record for most return touchdowns in a season, and then Brandon Banks was out of this world. So, again, it's it's a significant loss because I think it, it would have been nice to see what he could have done in year two, but I'm not sitting here you know, burning the house down because he's, he's going to play for the Raiders next year or have an opportunity to play for the Raiders next year. Cause I do think that this team will be able to go out and find someone to fill that role. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. But speaking of filling the role, is there any names out there that you can think of? Like maybe CFL names, guys that are already in the league that you would, you think, Oh, you know, he wouldn't look so bad in black and gold. I got a couple. You want me to give you mine before yeah. you give you yours? Yeah. Throw them out there. Well, Javon Leak. He's a free agent from the Argos. Oh, yeah, yeah. Janarian Grant, who was with the Ticats, free agent from Winnipeg. Again, I don't know if I'd necessarily spend the money to bring a return guy in, especially because I don't know what those guys – I didn't really ever see them play offense, so I'd be a little no. a little skittish on spending money to bring those guys in. But, I mean, there's there's a couple of names up there if they wanted to go the veteran route. But I, what do you think? Are you thinking they're just going to fill this role with – an unknown through training camp that we've never heard of before that we'll find out in June is really, really fast. Yeah, that's what I think is going to happen. Now, Grant kind of intrigues me a little bit because he's had so much success returning the ball for Winnipeg. But um, I think you just go young and you find a new guy in there, slide him in, and <clears throat> hopefully he does his thing. Yeah, because like, if you look at the roster, like I know I said this with uh, with linebackers. I'll say it again here. 
look at the roster. I don't think there's a ready-made guy. Like they, they have a couple of like young DBs that, that maybe they can return the ball. I'm not sure. Um, I remember when Lawrence Wood signed, there was, I remember in the press release when Wood signed it, they, they talked about his return skills in college. So it's like, Oh, okay. He's got that as part of his resume, which is good. Cause I think that kept him in the league because his, his cornerback skills were, were lacking. And, um, I don't think anyone would deny that, but I, I just look at the roster now and it does feel like this is going to be one of those, like when we, when we're sitting here at the beginning of May and tra- the draft has happened and training camps around the corner, we're like, Oh, what are the three problem areas we have for the tie cats? I think we'll be talking about the kick and punt returner because it's going to be someone that comes from a group of players like Tyreek McAllister, like uh, Gallimore, like Lawrence Woods was where we don't necessarily know their names at that time mm-hmm. that then later go on to become fairly contributing, largely contributing members to this team in 2024. Yeah. There's not a, a bunch of names on the, on the roster that I can, you know, point to and be like, Oh, that guy would be a really good uh, returner. So um, yeah, I think he's going to come free agency uh, down South and uh, you know, it'll be a new name to celebrate. All right. Speaking of down south, we're going to finish up today. A little bit of a shorter episode, but uh, hey, we've had we had the mammoth one last week, so it's nice to kind of get out of here. And maybe I'm jinxing myself by saying this now. And we're going to end up on a 30 minute conversation. Or who knows? <laughs> but we're going to finish up with the rumors that are swirling around special teams coordinator Jeff Reinbold once again potentially leaving the Ticats this time to take a position at the University of Hawaii. On Tuesday, the star advisor broke the news that Reinbold was about to be named the defensive tackles and nose guard coach for the Rainbow Warriors. Slight pause here. How crazy is it that in the CFL we have this coaches cap, but in the college football ranks, they have specific coaches for not – he's not a defensive line coach. He's specifically for D tackles and nose guards, the big guys. In the, like, what a what a stark difference between – college football in the u.s and the canadian mm-hmm. football league where we have coaches we have a x amount of, like isn't that just nuts that they they have these staffs that are so robust that they will have not just a d-line coach but guys mm-hmm. a guy specifically to coach up the interior of the defensive line it just seems crazy to me yeah and you know even at a place like hawaii you know not exactly a powerhouse in college football but it just shows that how popular it is down there and how much money is going through the, you know, college football. It's, 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 it's crazy to look, I don't want to go on a tangent here, but it's crazy to look at how much money they get from the networks and all that stuff. So there's just um, a lot of money going around in uh, us college football. Yeah. Everyone's making money. And uh, the one side that's not are the players, but that is a conversation for a different mm-hmm. show. Uh, but the story took a twist. However, when Scott Radley of the Hamilton spectator, reached out to Reinbold for comment, and he said that he, while he has been helping Timmy Chang, who many listening to this will remember as a former Ticac quarterback. The next great also, quarterback. He was. The next great Ticac quarterback. He was yeah. supposed to be the guy that replaced Danny Mack. Uh, he is now the head coach at the University of Hawaii, which is where he was a record-setting quarterback before he came to the CFL. Reinbold said that while he has been helping out at the university, he does not have an offer from Hawaii yet. Or, you know what, let me get the direct quote, because I don't want to misquote this. Um, let me find it on the Specs website. I just don't want to uh, to to misquote. Where the hell? There it is. Reinbold says he hasn't left Ticats for Hawaii. What is it that he exactly says? 
Oh yeah, shoot! I don't have a. Co- I, oh, you know what? I can't even read it anymore because my subscription ran subscription. out because they fired Steve Milton. So you know what? We're not going to. He said something along the lines of, "He's he ha- he." There's no offer yet, or something along those lines. What do you make of this? Do you think this is a where there is smoke, there is fire situation, or do you believe Reinbold and think that he's going to be back next year with the Tie Cats? I think there's smoke uh, where there's fire. You know, uh, Reinbold obviously has a. I don't know if he lives in Hawaii in the off season, but yeah, in the off season, has, I believe he does. Right. So, I mean, I think that would be one of his dream jobs. You know, he won't have to leave if it's offered to him. I, I don't think he'd hesitate to take it. Um, so, I do think that you know it's going to happen. So, I think the Tigers will be in line to find a new special teams coordinator next year, and that's okay. Uh, and he's coached there before. Like, I think he was the D-line coach there in 06 and 07, which I think is when June Jones was definitely there. Not sure if Timmy Ch- Timmy Chang might have already been with Hamilton then. I'm trying to think. That might have been the Colt Brennan Hawaii teams, the ones that went to the, they went to the Sugar Bowl the following year and got, if I recall correctly, just absolutely hammered by... The uh, I think it was Alabama, might have been Georgia. Any in any event, that's not that's. Not I got the quote here if you want it. You got the, got the quote. What is it? Yeah, I do not have an offer from Hawaii. Timmy and I have talked. I have been helping him with his offseason program. I think he would like me to come here, but at this time there is no contract on the table. At this time, that's what it was. At this time, there's no yeah. contract on the table. That doesn't mean that there won't be one tomorrow. And yeah. look, 66, I'll, he looks good for 66. I didn't know yeah, that oh. for sure. I mean, he takes care yeah, of himself I guess he's been I mean, around forever, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, geez, when was he, he was the head coach of Winnipeg in what, like 96, 97? Yeah, like, you're right. yep. I know, I, I know the nineties. I, I, I'm like many people who grew up in the nineties to me, 1995 and 96, 97, all the, like that's, that's a decade ago, but it's a quarter century ago now, which is right. unfathomable for me to think. Um, but I'm with you here, man. Like I, I think he's gone. Um, I don't blame him if he goes. I'm not sure he's a Scott Milanovic guy, to be honest with you. I don't know if his kind of outsized personality fits. Although it fit with Steinhauer fairly well, which you wouldn't have thought, given Steinhauer's more like stoic nature. So I guess they're, you know, you never know who who could. Ma- I mean, Chris Jones meshed with with. Uh, with Scott Milanovic, and you would think that those two guys probably wouldn't get along given what how Jones can be. But uh, I don't know. It, it it feels like I was at a lot of Ty Cats practices last year, obviously, and I felt as if he wasn't as hands-on involved. I'm not, I'm not saying he wasn't doing anything, but he definitely wasn't. It wasn't as – I remember the year before with Craig Butler. It was – he was definitely – he was in there, whereas – Ryan Bullmore leaned on his assistant, Charlie Taggart, to do a lot of the, not necessarily teaching, but a lot more of the, like, organizing of, of things. So I do wonder if maybe he knew, I don't know, maybe his, I don't want to say his heart wasn't in it, because I do think that he 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 wouldn't come here and not give an effort, so I, I think that would be unfair. But I just felt as if he wasn't as hands-on as he was the previous, like, previously when he was with the team versus 
yeah. what I saw, especially with what I saw with Butler, where it was definitely like he was running everything. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Maybe there's um maybe there's a reason for that there as well. But it just it just feels like he says he he says he's been helping out. He says he's wanted. He's a Hawaii guy. I just don't like it. It's maybe like I said, he said he doesn't have like as of now, there's no contract. It feels as if that's maybe uh, again, I'm not going to say he's outright lying because that that's uh, he's given no indication that he's not telling the truth. I just think that this didn't spring up out of nowhere, you know, and another one of the of the guys that's um, it's Dan Morrison, who was the quarterback coach here when June Jones was the head coach here. So there's definitely some like tentacles out there that make this make sense. And I don't know. I just think that this team is probably in the market for a new special teams coordinator. And I do wonder if maybe that's why we haven't seen the coaching staff announced. We've seen coaching staffs around the league announced, but if you recall when Scott Milanovic was hired as head coach back in December and that it was early December, he said kind of, not even matter of factly, but just kind of stated it blatantly that like in the next couple of weeks, we'll hear from, we'll we'll have our staff in place. That hasn't necessarily been the case. So, uh, and there are questions, right? Maybe this something to do with it. Yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe Rambo's dragging his feet about the decision, but I, I can't imagine that he wouldn't jump at the offer right away to be in Hawaii. I mean, because he who lived wouldn't? there, because of the climate oh, and, who, and all that. If, if, hey, if, if if a grocery store chain came to you and said, hey, buddy, we want to move you down to Hawaii and you can come down there and, and do your job there and, exactly. and probably make more money, wouldn't you say yeah. yes? Yeah. I love Canada, but hell, with that, I'm going, I'm going, I'm living down there. Yeah. yeah, no winters, no minus 40 weather like we've had here in Edmonton the last week. So, yeah, I think and, – and it's it's fine if he moves on. I mean, like you, you mentioned Craig Butler earlier, and he did a fine job when Rybol wasn't here. Yep. The special teams were good. So, you know, Rybol's not going to be the special teams coordinator forever in Hamilton. And uh, if they move on, you know, that's fine. And, and there's a lot of questions about this coaching staff too. I mean, who's going to be calling the plays? Who's going to be the defensive coordinator? Who's going to be the special teams coordinator? We, we don't know any of that. So that's going to be – we're going to have a lot to talk about in the next month or so, I think. Yeah, I think you'd want to have the main components of that locked in before free agency opens. Like, I think it's pretty safe to assume that Scott Milanovic is going to take on offensive coordinator duties. Yeah. Quite frankly, I don't think that that's. I mean, he he basically insinuated. He said there hadn't been a decision made, but come on, you don't you don't hand the reins to an offensive guy and then bring someone up. Like maybe they bring someone in who's an offensive coordinator in name only, but because of that stupid coach's cap. You know, you can pay Milanovic a little bit more to make him head coach while also giving him the OC title, which is yeah. what he wants to do anyway. But I think you'd want to have a defensive coordinator in place before free agency opens, especially if you're going to make a change because you want your your the, the players you go out and sign to fit the scheme that the DC is going to want to run. It's a little bit less with special teams because, I mean, and I'm not trying to say this to be to demean because it's a very important part of the game. But special teams is kind of player independent. Like you can plug guys in. Now you need good players. Don't get me wrong. And and there are players who excel at special teams and players that don't. But a lot of times you're using your your backups in those spots or using right. you know your younger players in those spots. And so it's not maybe, as necessary to me. 
Yeah, and it may be a less of a part of the game too if they they do those rule changes, right? There might not yeah, be as many returns true. and all yep. that stuff. So yeah, it's something to think about. Speaking of something to think about, we're gonna work on the assumption here that Reinbold will be gone because I think that's a fair assumption to play with. I think we'll we'll find out in the next couple of days, if not next you know week or so, that that he's gone and he's gonna coach in Hawaii. Do you have anyone that you think out there that would be a good candidate to replace him? Any names that kind of pop up immediately when you think of who? like veteran coach names sort of, yeah, or maybe yeah. up and comers you think from around the league, you think could kind of come in here and fill that role. <clears throat> not a very good head coach, not a very good head coach, but a hell of a special teams coordinator. I, you know, Craig Dickinson, that would be yep. an interesting name to bring in a guy that's has a lot, has had a lot of success in that position. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to that. And the thing with him too, is like a lot of people, you know, when head coaches get let go, it's, Oh, they can sit out and they can, earn the bulk of their contract dickinson doesn't have a contract like he he was fired yes but he also just wasn't retained yep. like his contract was up so he doesn't have a job that means he's not making an income so it's not as if he can he's not sitting there you know getting fat on a on a severance right. package there he's he's and i don't think earn. anyone's knocking down the door for him to be a head coach so oh, absolutely not yeah yeah so but especially if coordinator, I, I do i do think i do think he would be good uh there's i got an i I mentioned him before, Charlie Taggart. He was the assistant special teams coordinator last year. Like I said, did a lot of the work that I, when I was down there. Don't know if you're necessarily ready to give a guy like that the reins, but I would be interested, just based on what I saw him do during training camp and practice last year, I don't think it would be a terrible hire. And I had Dickinson on my list as well. Another one, uh, Paul Boudreaux, who was just let go by the Winnipeg Blue Bombers earlier this month as a special teams coordinator. Had been the special teams coordinator there for a number of years. Winnipeg, obviously very successful. Mike O'Shea has his hands in special teams as well. He was a great special teams coordinator with the Argos. But, I mean, Winnipeg special teams, Janarian Grant became kind of a household name. They had pretty good kicking, pretty good punting. It's been a – it's they've he's he's a guy that's, that's out, of, out of work right now too. So maybe someone like him – Seems like kind of a no-nonsense guy. I talked with him briefly at the at Great Cup Media Day. Nice enough fella, but seems kind of like you're... He doesn't have the outsized personality of Reinbold. He's kind of more of a... He's less assuming, kind of what you would think from a, a special teams corner. Like, not necessarily shy, but a little more reserved. So maybe he's someone that you could bring in. But it's... I, I Again, with this whole coaching staff, it's kind of a bit of a bit of wait and see right now. Like... I'm kind of like we're less than a month away from free agency opening. This team's yeah. got to make, like if you've noticed a lot of the decisions that they've made when it comes to bringing players back, been on the offensive side of the football. So I think that's because they know what they're going to do offensively. And then of course, obviously, you know, they retain Stavros, but like that was to me a no brainer. Yeah. No matter what you defensive system you're running, he's going to be good in it, I think. But mm-hmm. I just look at some of the, you know, it's the offensive linemen, it's restructuring Bo's deal, it's it's things like that. Maybe that, and maybe that's why Ed Hervey was a little a little noncommittal about Simone coming back. Because what if they bring in a new right. defensive coordinator who's who needs something out of that will linebacker position that maybe Simone isn't not capable of doing, but isn't as suited to do as maybe someone who's a little younger, maybe a little faster, or maybe even a little bit bigger. Like that's. I think we we kind of need to get to this these these coaching hires taken care of before we can really start thinking about building this roster out. 
Yeah, and it's it's a collaborative thing, right? You have to know who yep. the defensive coordinator is to uh, bring in players that'll fit in that system. So, yeah, they better get on it and figure out this coaching staff pretty quick because, like you mentioned, the free agency is coming up here not too far away. Uh, we're getting closer, so decisions have to be made. Yeah, like we're going to blink and we're going to be talking about – we're going to be sitting down here talking about guys that have been signed, guys that we lost, angry about this, angry, happy about that. So – it's the cycle of of the CFL offseason. We're in a little bit of the dead period, but things are about to ramp up pretty quickly, and there's still so plenty of question marks remaining for the Ticats, and one of them could be and likely will be who their special teams coordinator will be next year. So I don't know when we're going to be back. Uh, this was, not, like I said at the top, this was not a planned episode. This is one of those things where it's like, oh, there's enough information, enough news to do a show. If it happens again, we'll be back next week. If not, we'll be back in a couple weeks. We'll definitely be back before free agency opens because we got to talk about who we think should come back and all that fun stuff that we kind of do every year. But uh, until then, this has been Pods for this week. I'm Josh Smith. And I'm Mike Graham. Eat them raw. Eat them raw.